Hello, hello. You are listening to Neuvrud and Lan Queer on Sin. I'm Marcy. I'm Tammy. Hi. I'm Luna. I'm Liz. <laughs> and look at us. We are all together, which is so exciting. Should we do a quick little intro of who we are, where we're from? Sure. Pronouns, sexuality, all that. Okay, cool. I'll start. Hi, guys. I'm Tammy. I am from The Naughty Rude Show. Um, my pronouns are she, her. I do also go by they, though. I'm pretty lax about it. Um, and I've recently started um, going under bisexual as my sexuality. Um, we've we've put a label to it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Who's next? All right, I'll go next. Um, so I'm Luna. I am a co-host at Loud and Queer, and my pronouns are she, her. I identify as bisexual, and... That's all there is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can go next. Uh, <laughs> I'm Liz. I'm from the Naughty Rude Show. Um, sh- I don't... I'm... Oh, no. <laughs> um, I, I go by she, her, and I'm confused. Nice. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> nice. And I'm, as I said before, I'm Marcy. I use they, them, and she, her pronouns. I'm from Loud and Queer, and... I have been kind of like reassessing it a lot more lately, but currently I identify as Pandemi. Very exciting. And we have a very exciting show coming up for everybody, which is very exciting. I keep saying it very exciting. Because it's just so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> we love a crossover app. We love being able to contribute to all of our other cool shows that we have here at Sin. And I feel like Naughty Rude and Loud and Queer, Match Made in Heaven. Oh, yes. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Cool. So we're going to be talking about some cool things later on. We're going to be talking about social anxiety in dating um, slash flirting. Uh, we're going to be talking about gender dysphoria and... Erotica in literature. I knew that there was one that I was forgetting. Thank you, Marcy. <laughs> All right. So each show, if you want to listen to them, Loud and Queer is on Sunday from 3 p.m., and the Naughty Root Show is on Sunday from 8pm. I have to say, like, this segment we're talking about now, which is erotica in literature, was actually inspired by the opening of a call-out for a queer erotica zine um, that, that is currently developed by one of my um, friends in the literature space, um, SAP. Submissions are now open for the first ever edition of SAP Zine, a new queer erotica zine. Um, submissions close end of July, um, so Sunday the 31st, July 11th. 59pm, and the zine be launched in October 2022. And you can email your submissions, of course, to emilybage.doc at gmail.com. When I saw this, I was like, okay, I've never actually written anything for erotica, and I, it is something that I'm open to exploring, but like, I never actually written anything for it, and, like, and I honestly find it quite overwhelming, honestly. Mm. Like, how does everyone else feel about that? I completely understand the overwhelming... <laughs> I personally have never really interacted with, like, erotica literature. Actually, no, that's a lie. I probably have, but, you know, it's not my first call of action. It's not, like, my first place to go to. I don't know. I don't know. To sit there and to write it, I feel like, just takes up just a whole lot of vulnerability. The most that I would have interacted with something close to that is when I was, like, a teenager and I was trying to write songs. Mm. I was like, oh, my God, I can write songs about my personal life and my deep, dark feelings. Like, oh, my God. And then when I started to put pen to paper, it was like, mm-mm, this just feels wrong. This feels like too much. I don't like it. 
And that was just about feelings. That wasn't even about erotica. So I, I don't know. I feel like it takes a lot, but like the people that do it are doing the Lord's work. So shout outs to mm, them. Yeah. I mean, like, I've always like kind of thought of like, I kind of like went through a period where I was like, huh, maybe I could do this because I have some friends who are making bank doing this sort of stuff on like Fiverr. Like, you know, they're taking yeah. in like requests and doing commissions. Mm -hmm. And I've always thought, huh, you know, that doesn't seem like a bad idea. I have like a writing, you know, diploma. I can, I can do that. And then I'm like, what if I get doxxed? That's my career down the drain. <laughs> True. That's like the only reason I haven't done it. It's because I'm too scared somebody will figure out who I actually am. But yeah. at least it will show off your creative flair and your yeah. knack for language. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And like, I can totally relate to like just the the fears that come with like writing for erotica because like I've I've read erotica like like a lot like online like like fan fiction this and that like in like high school and stuff but like. When it comes to, like, writing it, I'm always, like, this is honestly really overwhelming. And, like, I I mean, especially, like, being, like, really vulnerable and, like, mm. being vulnerable in, like, mm. like, just putting that on the page, for, like, Rodica, like, it's just something that is, I just find really difficult to, to, to do. And um and I've even had, like, a, a, like a mini rise group, like, we had ideas of writing, like, Erotica and, like, this and that. But, like, we never actually wrote anything just because we couldn't, like... At the end of the day, just it was just very difficult. We mm. we just found very difficult to be, to be vulnerable, and so seeing one of my friends like now putting together a queer erotic scene, like it's just like brought all of these conversations up to the surface for me. And <laughs> I think it's yeah. like important actually to like kind of like norm quote unquote normalize it a tiny bit because it's, I feel like it's such a taboo like yeah. topic. I agree. Like, erotica by itself is already a taboo topic because porn is, like, such a mm. big part of, like, internet culture, I guess. Um, but erotica, I think a lot of people just, it's kind of like a secret thing that you try not to let anyone else know you read erotica. But that's just me. Um, I think queer erotica is, like, it is great and definitely should be, like, I don't know, maybe take it more seriously because it takes a lot of work to do that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah. and A like, lot of finesse. Mm. <laughs> and, like, I especially can relate to, like, as well, like, the idea of, like, Oracle having, like, that that, that taboo um, in public. Yeah. Like, um, the other thing as well is a lot of my schooling, primary, high schooling, has been, like, Catholic. Yeah. And, like, as a Direct consequence of that, um, there's like this idea of like shame that's like being emphasized and that kind of like expression and like that kind of comes to play in my writing as well. Like whenever I try to write anything erotica related, it always just there's always I always tend to hit a wall with that as a direct result of that. Mm. Um, it's an experience. It's I okay, would you put it on a similar pedestal to if you were to perform visual pornography? Because I honestly would. Like, do you think it's on a similar page to sit there and write something erotic and send it out to the world? Do you think that's on the like the same or at least a similar level to performing in I don't know visual pornography? I mean, the way I perceive like erotica than porn is there is like kind of like a difference in terms of, like porn is like mainly the very like getting to the point like sex part of it, whereas erotica is kind of like that like. Tension. 
Yeah, that kind of that tension, that kind of world being like like characters, and like sex being a part of that, but it's not the only thing. Yeah, about mm. it. So okay, and I, different kinds of vulnerability. Then is is that your stance? I I would say that I I guess, but like that that being said, though I still like I said before, it's like very difficult being vulnerable either way. Mm. I feel. True. I don't know, I feel like with erotica, it's, like, a lot less risky. Like, yeah. I... I mean, that just might be, like, how I how I was raised, but, like, with visual porn, there's a lot more taboo. Like, a lot more stakes are on the line, in my opinion, mm. regarding it. Whereas with, like, erotica, it's just, you know, at the end of the day, you are writing something, you're not putting... You're putting yourself, but you're not, like, bearing everything to the world. Yeah. I don't know, the stakes are just a bit lower for me. Yeah, I guess I I feel that because even if you get doxxed, like, they won't... Mm-hmm. Like, there's no evidence because your face is not there. But, like, I don't know, that's just... Maybe, maybe you could, like, get your way out of it is the point. Yeah. But if someone catches you doing porn, it's pretty hard to, like, get your way out of it. Mm. Um not sure. And particularly because, like, the evidence is there of, like, yes, I did perform these activities. This yeah. is, like, what I have actually done compared to writing where it's, yeah. oh, yeah, well, like, I just thought about it and I actually drew inspiration from this and this and so it's not actually all my thoughts. But, like, yeah, you can kind of play it off a bit more because it's mm. not, like, quote, oh, unquote, the commission piece. Mm. Yeah. And, like, I guess as well, like, if you're using a pseudonym, Whereas, like, for erotica mm-hmm. or for, for porn, like, it's a lot easier to kind of, like, be able to develop that kind of identity with that soon than they can, like, kind of, like, distance your day-to-day self from your pseudonym. That that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. I guess one exception to that being, like, in the Ryan world, if readers can identify your erotica from another, like, from, from yourself, I, I feel like... While seeing them can really help provide that kind of like emotional like boundary and distance, I feel like some readers would still be able to figure out you you from a pseudonym based on the Ryan style. Mm. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, give me a lot to think about. <laughs> mm. Yeah, all this has made me want to be honest is to explore erotica a lot more because the more that we talk about it, the more I'm thinking about, it, the more I'm thinking about how I just for some reason, have not really engaged with it. When I could have, and I should have, and it's been right there, but... Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I definitely was more into it when I was, like, younger, and now I just, like... I guess some sometimes it's cringe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I, like, still prefer it over porn. Yeah. Just, I mean... I think a part of it is also just upbringing. Like, I was yes. raised, like, to think porn is, like, terrible, bad, no good. So, like, a part of my brain is still, like, you know, reading something isn't as bad as watching it. And, you know, <laughs> plus, imagination's a lot easier. Yeah, You know, I you like have a that. lot more freedom. Mm. I like that you can use your imagination. And, like, as I was saying, I used to read fan fiction, and I could, like, in my head, I would just change the names of the mm. fan fiction characters and that would make me like not associate it with those particular characters and 
I like that because it's just like <laughs> it's it's basically you get to imagine a person rather than you see someone in porn and like you can't really it doesn't really leave much to the imagination I guess yeah mm. I um, definitely feel that yeah 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 just to kind of bring it back to um the prompter for for this segment um opening of a call out for queer erotica zine sap would anyone here be open to like ryan erotica for a, a zine like that if i had imagination and writing skills yes <laughs> if i still had an imagination maybe <laughs> i have the imagination and writing skills i think like i write poetry um i I haven't really written like literary stuff, but I still, that's still a very hard jump for me because I've never written erotica. But maybe, maybe this is your calling to get Maybe it a go. I should think about it. Why not? <laughs> We're back to talking about consent in erotica. There has been a lot of like problems. I feel like it's coming up more now with technology where people are shipping real people and making erotica about them. What do you guys think? (laughs) Yeah, like it's been a pretty prevalent problem, but a lot more since Mm. like the internet has become such a mainstream part of our culture. Like I, I mean, this is probably pretty well known, but um, popular YouTubers, Markiplier and Jacksepticeye. Oh um, God. A lot of slash fiction has been written about both of them, despite them both in being in relationships and both of them being really uncomfortable with mm. the erotica written about them. And I think that they have every right to be uncomfortable, quite frankly. Because yeah. I think that a lot of people use the defense of, oh, but it's not real, like, it's just fun, but it's also, like, weirdly, like, violating mm. to have somebody write something like that about you and then people are thinking about you in that way and like yeah i feel like particularly with like youtubers and stuff who like have a dedicated following like it leads to like fetishized a word that i cannot say fetish fetishization yes <laughs> and i think it like crosses a line like i remember the dream smp having a whole shtick where um, their fandom was like shipping random members of like the group, and some of them were like very close to either being like underage or like basically on the brink of just turning mm. legal. And all of them being like, we're super uncomfortable with this, and then no one like everyone just disregarding their opinions. Mm. Yeah, it's quite a recurrent problem, like the kind of like that parasocial relationship as well, like kind of like lean to a a lack of consent in what mm. is like the kind of like erotica that's written about these like real life people, like even if it's seen as fiction by a lot of people, still being based on real people is very icky territory right there. Um, mm. I think if like the people who are who it's being written about don't want to be written about and they say that, then the fanfic writers should stop. Um, I also remember, um, the two main, like, 
Okay, the I think it's the bassist and the singer, but anyway, Brendan Urie and Ryan Ross from Panic at the Disco. There has been some disgusting, Seriously? terrible, like traumatic fan fiction made about them. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to say it because it's so bad. You've just uncovered some deep, dark yeah. memories for me. Oh my god, I yeah. had repressed all of that. Oh no, now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Insane though. I can okay. I consumed things like that when I was a teenager. When yeah. I was like a like a really really young teenager, when I was like young and misguided and whatnot, and it's such a weird thing to think about in hindsight that I was a child, and these are people who are not consenting to these things being written about them. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. yeah, I did it as a teenager as well, and I guess I just didn't know any better. But obviously, I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> Yeah, right, because, like, we're kids and we're just kind of figuring out our sexuality and figuring out, mm. I don't know, all of that kind of stuff. And, I don't know, in hindsight it's just, like, grimy of, like, oh, I'm, like, <sighs> engaged with that. I, like... It's okay. Mm. Don't, don't remind me. Forgive yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we all got to learn to forgive. I think that it is very similar, though, when we're talking about consent in literature as consent with things like deep fakes in like actual yeah. porn. Mm. Are you guys familiar with that? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. For those of you listening who are not familiar, um, you can get like these weird like AI generated porn scenes where like they've taken like a real life actual porn scene. Yeah. But then they've generated a celebrity's face or something on top of it. So it looks like a celebrity is like in the porn scene. Or mm. even, or like, doesn't normal have, people. I was going to say, it doesn't have to be, like, a celebrity. It's just literally anyone. Like, you can put faces in there. And, like, that's very clearly and morally not a good thing to do, right? Yeah. Because no. the person isn't consenting to that. And it's such, like, a easy thing where you could be like, oh, my God, like, that is that person. I can't believe that they did that. Mm. But it's not. It's using their likeness. And, I don't know, it's a very similar thing when it comes to literature where it's Clearly not real, which is great, but also it's still putting that person in a scene, in a situation that is just not what they want to be in. Yeah. Something that they don't want to be part of. In in short, that is really messed up. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, like, just linking that with, like, the kind of, like, parasocial relationship that between, like, a lot of, like, people and, like, a lot of these, like, like people like celebrities as well like the idea of like i think strange things we we were talking about that like during the break as well and just like yeah mm. <sighs> yeah sorry it's a big can of worms that this is has mm. led on to isn't it <laughs> yeah in short we were just talking about like how um there were people on reddit counting down to the day that millie um, bobby brown turned well she when she became legal and how suspicious and shady and shady and rank that yeah. was. Mm. And unfortunately, she wasn't the first. She's not the first that that's happened to her, and she's unfortunately not going to be the last, probably. Mm. No. Something in the culture needs to be fixed. Mm. Mm. Like, this needs to become, like, a wider talked-about conversation where people are actively saying, do not do this because it is just icky and wrong. I think the great news is that I think that it is slowly getting there. Like, even when I think back to my childhood, like, the sexualization of Britney Spears, 
That was something as a kid that was just so shrugged off that, yeah, like oh, it's it's fine, it's normal, it's normal part of life. The good thing about I don't know being an adult now and living in a different world is that people are slowly but surely picking up on things like this and being like, no, that's not okay. That's actually really messed up. It's messed up for this reason and this reason and this reason, and we should stop it. So that's true. It's good that people are talking up and calling things out. We're talking about social anxiety in dating slash flirting. So, Marcy, you've got a story to tell? I do. And it's kind of like in regards to like dating, specifically the dating app Tinder, um, which a long while ago I downloaded, had for like a couple of weeks, didn't really use it that much. When I, tr- I didn't even swipe on it. I was like very overwhelmed mm. by it and I just deleted it. And like that's kind of like my social anxiety when it comes to dating or flowing in a nutshell. Particularly like these days, I get very socially anxious about pretty much interacting with people in general, but like particularly when it comes to like flowing on dating, it's like kind of like magnifying a larger scale. Especially as, like, I don't really date yeah. romantic, so I'm kind of, like, limited in terms of, like, my, like, traction in that sense. It's, like, very, like, limited, unless it's yeah. someone I know really, really well as well. Mm. So, which kind of heightens my social anxiety, because, like, I, then I don't really, I get very awkward about just casual dating, if that makes sense. See, I totally get that. But I think in, like, a slightly different sense. Like, my beef with dating apps and when they make me anxious is because it feels like a game. It feels like I have to play my cards right and it feels like it feels like I have so many more people that I'm competing with because I can see, like, the pool of people that are trying to get my attention. Like, I wonder what's mm. trying to get everybody else's attention. And, like, it's just this never-ending, like, feedback loop of, like, oh, my God, I have to play my cards right. This is a game. I don't know how to play the game. Like, anyone relate to that or no? Uh, I mean, I honestly thought you were going to say, like, when you said game, I thought basically, like, how dating is, like, gamified. Like, ga- dating apps mm. have become, like, games to people. Mm-hmm. And I have some experience with dating apps, but I didn't really like it. Like, I guess I could give the advice to Marcy. Just try and make friends on it. Mm. Like, I try and go for the friendship route rather than the sexual route just because it's, it just makes me feel a little better. You know, like, hookups don't always go too well. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But making friends is always, like, a win-win. <laughs> yeah. that That's good advice, like, right there. Because, like, I mean, I... I also get socially anxious when it comes to, like, making friends, mm-hmm. like, new friends. But, like, I I find that easier to do than, like, going into, like, yeah. with the idea of, like, dating this yeah. and that. And it's, like, yeah. my que- my brain kind of, like, then becomes cluttered with these questions of, okay, is this person in- is this person actually into me? Do they actually like what I'm talking about? It's, like, so stressful. And, oh. like, mm. kind of like the social conventions of dating, I don't really entirely, like, it's yeah. quite complicated my brain to understand sometimes actually or like even understand when someone is into me i think for me like the anxiety kind of comes in after the dating app it's gonna sound really bad saying this after you guys have all said a bunch of things but to me dating apps are a game yeah i really (laughs) like playing that game (laughs) nice i promise so you agree it's just that you like it yeah i just enjoy this game (laughs) if you like it there's like no shame in that I mean, it's, it's. I feel like it also makes me less stressed about it because if all you see is just fun, like swipe left, swipe right, chat, chat, yeah, yeah. to be a bit more serious, it does. It does get really like stressful once you leave the app because then that's when it becomes a bit too real. 
Because now I can't、mm. call it a game anymore because I've invested time in this person.、Mm. Oh, yeah. And that's like that. That's when like playing with fire starts turning into like a like the house is actually on fire now, and I、uh-huh. don't know how to deal with it. So then, then I then I understand everything afterwards. I mean, <laughs> I have like almost so many of my female friends, like single female friends, they always complain about dating culture,、mm-hmm. and I think there's like. I can't tell if it's something about living in the city or if it's just in general. I can tell you. I promise you, it's in general. I've tried to date in many places, man. Ah,、oh, it's either me or it's just in general. It's in general. Don't、That's、worry,、true. it's not、Don't、you. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, I'll introduce this app that I've been seeing. It's called Elate. It's an anti-ghosting app. It's only on iPhone at the moment, but they said they're coming out with an Android version. And there's only three active chats at a time, so matches wait in a match queue until both people have space. So you know when someone's ghosted you, or you know when someone doesn't want to be with you. And you can also give fi- private feedback about the person you matched. So if they get too many negative feedback, then their account will be removed. So that helps.、Um, I feel like I think this is a good idea. It sounds like one of the more promising concepts that a、mm. dating app has come out with in a while, which is nice.、Mm, yeah. That's true. It definitely sounds more appealing than, than Tinder. It almost feels like kind of like the basically the match queue structure feels very similar to like speed dating, where you have like yeah. yes, true, yeah. true. Damn, makes me want to be single again. Ah, <laughs> <laughs>、uh. <laughs> yeah. Dating is kind of like something I'm not really into right now, but like speed dating, something I've always wanted to do, honestly, just to like, yeah, though, just to experience it. I think like, that'll be fun. Even like the idea of like not actually like ending up with someone that you end up dating after, but just the idea of just getting to know new people. Do they have like speed dating, but for friends? Like, can I like go to a bar and just like hop I mean, tables and make、oh, friends? Speed. <laughs> I hope so. Speed friending would be really fun, and it's like I, I like that. Yeah. And like my uni has done that like、mm-hmm. at, several times as like its orientation festivals, like summer winterfest stuff.、Ooh. We've had like speed friending, like a lot of speed friending, like events happening during that time,、yeah. and it's a lot of fun actually. I just remembered they made us do that in primary school. <laughs> it's so weird, but I'm sure I, I don't remember it. But it's a it's a good way to make friends. Gender dysphoria in dating, sex, relationships. We we're just talking about like. Like kind of like dating and like before in the last segment, and our conclusion that we rather just like make friends and date, which is a very wholesome kind of conclusion. So now we're jumping into gender dysphoria, and like I know I for one feel a lot of dysphoria in general when it comes to like anything to do with like relationships, especially this feeling of like having to always present a certain way to someone that、mm. I think they find appealing,、mm. rather than just being my authentic self. Just like really quickly before we go too deep, would somebody like to define gen, like explain gender dysphoria? Hi, it's Sammy here.、Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sammy, the expert here to save us.、Uh, yeah, I guess the the easiest way to describe it is like euphoria versus dysphoria. Particularly if you're like someone that is like gender diverse or just like not hundred percent cisgender, it's like the The extreme highs and extreme lows you feel when you your gender is affirmed or like suppressed in any way. So yeah, I think it comes into dating like quite often, especially if someone is like non-binary and dating someone who's like a bit more cis hat. It's like they're not going to see that person as non-binary 
like occasionally and that's going to like cause dysphoria and like strain that relationship thank you sammy <laughs> it would all imagine it's always good to have like that the, the definition like just in case something that i think comes into this is gender performance if you've ever heard of mm. it um because i'm studying it a little bit i'll give like a short description that i found on google gender performance is the idea that gender is something inscribed in daily practices learned and performed based on cultural norms of femininity and masculinity the idea of gender as performance was popularized by American post-structuralist philosopher Judith Butler. I have been researching it, and basically it's like this idea that inside every woman is like a man watching the woman. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah. it makes sense, only in the sense that like I feel like I have lived that. Like, is it like when you find yourself doing things that are kind of like typically like a little bit out of character because... You think someone's watching you? Yeah, because yeah. you think somebody else would appreciate it. Like, I say that really broadly, but yeah. I've had a relationship before with um, a guy who really wanted me to be super-duper feminine. And I'm mm. not an overly particular feminine person. And they were really into me, like, wearing wearing skirts and dresses and right. doing the womanly duties and, I don't know, things like that. Terrible relationship, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is that what you mean? Like, when... When I was in that situation where I was like, yeah, I just found myself doing those things subconsciously because I was like, yes. okay, I know that he will enjoy that. I know that he wants me to act this way. Um, yeah, but mm. the point is that like we are subconsciously acting as like one of the binary sexes. It's just kind of ingrained into us. As soon as we're assigned genders we start thinking, oh, we have to act like this way or that way. Literally from birth with, that's a boy's toy. You can't play with that. You're a yeah. girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There are only two genders that exist and you need to conform. Don't play with the truck toy. Definitely been subject to that quite a lot, especially in regards to like primary and high, high schools, like that very like strict like binary and like especially i went to a normal high school so wow a lot of pressure to be seen as as male and because i didn't quite fit into that box as i was kind of like other times it's kind of like a lot of jokes were made my expense particularly in regards to the way i presented and the way i like expressed myself and as a result of that i kind of sometimes feel like i shouldn't really express myself to a certain extent depending on who i'm with and That's so messed up. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry you went through that. I was gonna say it's alright, but it's it's not alright, but like I'm I'm glad that you're saying that thank you yeah. for just <laughs> It's alright. We we empathize all with you. Yeah. Um so like back to dating. The other point I was trying to make is that yeah, the masculine or like the male in the relationship, they need to be affirmed that they are the male in the relationship, right? And that, like, kind of ties into... it. That's It's very hard to, like, want to be more masculine when you're dating guys as mm. a female, for me. See, I think also with these, like, gender constructs that, like, you know, we've had since, like, birth and mm. that whole can of soup, along with that is a power structure that has kind of been... Yeah passed down to us which is that the male is dominant and the female is submissive it's whack it's whack that that exists firstly 
Like, I think that a big reason why toxic masculinity exists in the capacity that it does is due to that conditioning that we've had since we were kids. Yeah. And men being like, yes, I'm the dominant, and then they just feel all powerful and almighty, and then there's the people that come along and test it and be like, well, Mm. I can be dominant too. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be dominant. Like, you can be submissive. Like, it's okay to be both. It's okay to, like, swap and choose. Like, gender is a construct. I don't know. I think that it's when the power structure is challenged, though. That's when... Yeah, people get confused. Mm. I don't know. My brain just stopped working there, but, like, did my point come across? Yeah, I I got it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I think I I understand that. And, like, I feel like it's also, like, relevant as well to, like, the idea of, like, tops and bottoms as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even in queer culture, there's, like, people, like, are very keen to say... I'm the top, I'm the bottom, this one is, like, I'm the dom, I'm the sub. I know a lot of gay guys who go through this and they're like, I'm a sub, I'm not doing, I'm not doing that. Mm. <laughs> it's like, okay, but, like, I don't know, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack. I guess, like, another part that kind of, like, relates to it as well is, like, those kinds of power structures, like, that change as well when you're, like, you're transitioning, like, I'm, like, kind of, like, in a very slow journey but gradual journey towards like not just socially transitioning but also like medically with hrt and all that Mm. and it's not happening right now but like when it does become more prominent physically yeah i have a feeling that's going to also change the way i i date as well i haven't even really unpacked that myself just yet but like i feel like it's going to be a really big change when it does come around to that Mm. when you're feeling more confident when you're feeling more comfortable in yourself that's when beauty unfolds. <laughs> I tried to make that sound as sappy as I possibly could, but, like, it's true, though. It is. I mean, it's just important. Try and be yourself, even though, like, despite everything, you should try and be yourself. Hmm. Yeah. And I'm trying. As long as we're trying, that's what matters. <laughs> yeah. Always working to feel as comfortable as we always can be. Yeah. 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 And if someone isn't okay with that, well... Then they need to reassess themselves, I guess. <laughs> you are listening to Noi Rude and Loud and Queer on Sin. And I think that we've just wrapped up on what is a really cool episode. What is a really cool collab for the first time for us this year. Hell yeah. yeah. Right? That was great. We were just saying that it's really nice to kick back and talk about some lifestyle things, talk about some queer issues, and yeah. Make friends. Make yeah. friends. <laughs> yeah. That's honestly been like the really big themes this episode, like friends and like making friends and yeah, <laughs> yeah. which works for a collab in all honesty. Yeah, it's very nice. To recap, we talked about the erotica in literature, also consent in erotica, and we moved on to social anxiety and dating slash flirting, and also gender dysphoria in dating sex relationships. If you wanna find out more about us, you can go to. Um, at Sin Loud on Twitter and Instagram and at Naughty Rude Sin at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you want to hear this episode again or more episodes, you can go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere that you get your podcasts. You'll probably be able to find us. And also you can talk to us on Tumblr at the naughtyrudeshow.tumblr.com slash ask. Please. Yeah. <laughs> 
definitely check that Tumblr out. It's like, particularly this year, has been. I've been heard. I've heard it's been growing a lot. Like, and a lot of good questions have been asked on there. So definitely check that out as well. Mm. And the more questions that we get in the more likely it is that we can do a cool crossover like this again. Hell yeah. Yeah. I know I want that. I hope everybody else wants it just as much as me. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) This has been the Naughty Rude Show and Loud and Queer here on Sin.